Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. Louis Agassiz was an important scientist in the 1800s who lived in Switzerland. He was working on an absorbing scientific project for which he was paid not much money when a college president came and offered him a good de deal of money to do a lecture series. And Louis Agassiz said to the co uh, college president, Sir, I cannot afford to waste my time making money. <laughs> Christian, let me ask you this. Are you wasting your life making money? We are here for a much more important purpose than that. There's a story of a wealthy man who died and he wanted to take his gold to heaven. So he takes his gold up to the pearly gates and St. Peter says, Sir, why did you bring pavement up here? <laughs> pavement, streets of heaven, paved with gold. So uh, the, the, the point is, Christians, we are here for so much more important purpose than to make money. What I want us to do this, this program is to ask the question, what does Jesus say about making money? Would you take out your Bible, turn in the New Testament to the book of Matthew, chapter 6, and let's pray. Father, we live in one of the wealthiest countries on the earth, and sadly, so many American Christians are tied to their money. Lord, we would pray that you'd help each of us let go and give and trust you to take care of us, not our bank account. God, teach us now. Speak to our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Here's the first lesson today. Hoard not. I heard someone say, it's not a sin to be rich, it's a sin to die rich. Let me repeat that. It's not a sin to be rich, it's a sin to die rich. <laughs> you know, I, I will tell you my experience with my bank account. When my bank account gets to be a certain amount, I start thinking about it a lot. I salivate a little bit. And sometimes I just have to write a healthy check to some mission group to get my mind off my bank account. John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist Church back in the 1700s. People gave him a lot of money because he did a wonderful work. But he said, quote, I fling money out of my hands as fast as I can lest it find a way into my heart. If you hoard, money can slowly make its way into your heart. And you've got to ask yourself, who am I trusting to take care of me? Is God my source or is my pension my source? You know, Jesus in Mark 4 talks about the deceitfulness of riches. And I think that means riches tempt us to think, they're going to take care of us instead of God taking care of us. And 
as some years ago as people with the Enron scandal found out, you can't trust your pension to take care of you. Years ago, I went on a very long flight to Hong Kong. I was on my way eventually to join a mission trip. And the man sitting next to me, we talked. He was a very wealthy man. He talked to me about his work and everything. Sitting behind us was his old, he was an older man, and his girlfriend was sleeping in the, in the seat behind us. He had, she had all kinds of gold and diamonds on her. Well, when he found out I was a pastor, he got mad. Well, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in your God. And just rah, rah, rah. He just was rude to me. And then, he, and then he says to me, turn around, look at her. And so I looked at his girlfriend. Isn't she beautiful? And no offense, but she wasn't all that beautiful. But I felt bad for this guy. I think all he had in the world was his gold and his girlfriend. He was kind of the poster child for the verse Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And what Jesus is saying here, if you hoard up, if money is your thing, it'll work its way into your heart and it'll kill your soul. John Wesley, again, the founder of the Methodist Church, is famous for his three-point sermon. Number one, earn all you can. Number two, save all you can. And number three, give all you can. There's a story that some preacher in a rural church was preaching on John Wesley's sermon. John Wesley said, earn all you can. And an old farmer in the crowd, amen, earn all you can. And John Wesley said, number two, save all you can. The old farmer, oh, amen, save all you can. And then number three, John Wesley said, give all you can. <laughs> And the farmer was silent. <laughs> Point is, don't hoard. Look at verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. All right, next lesson. Why hoard not? Here's the answer. It will vanish. I mean, that man I just told you about on the airplane, that incident took place about 25 years ago. I'm sure he's long dead. Well, how much money did that man leave when he died? The answer is all of it. When you die in that second, you leave absolutely everything behind. So why do we spend our time accumulating stuff? It doesn't make any sense. We leave it all behind. There was a story of a, a man that came to a pastor and said, I want you to do my brother's funeral. Oh, yes, I, I read your brother died, and he, he, uh, he worked for many years. What did he get out of that? Well, he, he got 80 acres of land. He got a, a good, healthy uh, income, left a big life insurance policy. The pastor said, no, no, that's what you get out of all that. What did he get out of all that? The guy said, well, we bought him a $1,000 coffin. Listen, we are here on earth, Christians, for something much more important than making money. Why? Because money's going to vanish. It won't last. Andrew Carnegie was one of the wealthiest men in American history. A man by the name of T.P. O'Connor interviewed him, and he wrote this. As we drove to the station, I remarked to Mr. Carnegie how I envied his wealth. Carnegie said, I am not to be envied. I am 60 years old and cannot digest my food. 
I would give all my millions, if I could, have youth and health back. If I could make Faust bargain, that's the deal with the devil, I would make it. I would gladly sell anything to have my life over again. And the reporter said, he said all this with a clenched fist as he spoke. The reason we don't hoard up wealth is because it's going to vanish. It doesn't make sense. Look at verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Here's the next lesson. Hoard in heaven. Store up in heaven. You maybe have heard this story. Here's a man who is shipwrecked and he washes ashore on an island. And the natives come and they rejoice and they say, we have a custom that if someone comes to our island, we take him and we make him king for a year. Whatever you want for a year is all yours. But know this, at the end of the year, we put you alone in a boat, we push you out to the horizon beyond which there is a desert island, and you will go there and you will starve to death. Well, they make him king. He gets everything he wants for a year. At the end of the year, he says to his people, am I still your king? Yes. Will you do still whatever I tell you to do? Yes. And he said, well, then I want you to fill boatloads boat after boat filled with animals and plants and food, send it to that island beyond the horizon. <laughs> we are to hoard in heaven. You know, so, uh, there was this um, man who died and his two friends were talking and yeah, he left two million dollars. And the other friend said, wasn't it too bad? He left it behind when he could have sent it ahead. You know, here's a Christian woman who died. After she died, somebody was looking at her checkbook, and it said, for the mission in Mexico, $200. For the work in India, $50. For the downtown mission, $100. She monthly gave of her wealth. That's called sending it ahead. <laughs> Verse 20. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. Why? Do we hoard in heaven? Because it lasts. <laughs> Whatever you do for the... I mean, I have, a, I have a plaque on my wall. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You know, whatever you do for Christ on this planet, it'll last forever in eternity. That's why we hoard in heaven, not on earth. Two men were dying in a hospital. The one was talking to the other man about his faith in Christ. The nurse comes in the room, and this other man is very troubled. And, sir, is there something wrong? Are you uncomfortable? Can I do something? And he said, well, nurse, something is wrong. He's going to his treasure. I'm leaving mine. The reason we don't hoard on earth is because it doesn't last. But if you hoard in heaven... It'll last for eternity. John Wesley, again, the Methodist preacher of the 1700s, thousands were converted through his ministry. But do you know what John Wesley left behind? He was given a lot of money in his life, but he gave it away. When he died, it was said that John Wesley left behind a small library, a well-worn clergyman's gown, a much-abused reputation, and the Methodist church. <laughs> we hoard in heaven because it lasts there. I was raised in Omaha, 
And my dad was rather an important man in Omaha. When dad died, his picture was on the front page of the Omaha newspaper. He ran the big Exarban racetrack and civic organization. Well, they finally tore Exarban down. And, and before, it was a big, beautiful auditorium, big, beautiful racetrack. I used to work there as a teenager and, and was an usher. Before they tore it down, I took a jog, and I jogged back up into Exarban, and I sat in the uh, grandstand where I used to be an usher. The place was falling apart. For many years, they hadn't raced horses there because they were put out of business by the dog racetrack across the river in Council Bluffs. And so this place had become a ghost town. Things were falling down, you know, cobwebs. You know, it was just a mess. And I remember sitting there just sad because my dad was a workaholic. And I just was sad thinking, Dad, wouldn't it have been nice if you would have lived for something that was going to last? And they tore it down. Christian, let me ask you this. Are you living for the one who is going to last? Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's the next lesson. Check yourself and ask this. Where is my treasure in life? Let me ask it this way. What do you think about most during the day? Football, romance novels, <laughs> um, money, sex. Whatever you think about the most during the day, that's where your treasure is. C.S. Lewis was a famous English writer, wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, other books. Christian man. One day, a very wealthy friend invited him over to see his mansion. And the friend took C.S. Lewis through the rooms of his house, wonderful art treasures, took him outside, huge grounds with beautiful gardens, fountains, and everything. C.S. Lewis looked at everything and finally he said to his friend, Ah, uh, these are the things that make it hard to die. <laughs> Meaning, more, the more you have, the more your heart is tempted to put your treasure into that. Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, that's a difficult verse to interpret. To be, I, you know, I check the commentaries on this. I'm not quite sure what that verse means, but I think we can take this lesson from that difficult verse. Here it is. Watch what you watch. If you watch dark stuff, that'll darken your heart. Be careful what you watch on television or anywhere. You know, I'll tell you this. I was at the library and I saw a video called, it's a 1950 movie called Cheaper by the Dozen. And I remember watching that movie with my family on TV when I was a little boy. So for nostalgia's sake, I checked it out and I watched Cheaper by the Dozen again a gazillion years after my youth. And it was such a sweet, pure movie. And you know what I thought after I saw that movie? How America has fallen. You know, good luck finding a movie these days that doesn't use the F word or that doesn't drag Jesus' name through the mud. And we need to watch what we, what we watch. It'll affect us. I mean, uh, 
have you seen some of these horrible cartoon shows, American Dad, Family Guy, South Park, they will have a cartoon character of Jesus and mock Jesus Christ. We need to be very careful what we watch. Christian, don't go to R-rated movies that drag your Savior's name through the mud. Be careful what you watch. They did a survey a while ago of older American Christians. And they surveyed what they believed. You know what they discovered? Older American Christians used to believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. They believed that sex outside of marriage is wrong, abortion is wrong, homosexual behavior is wrong. This study discovered their views are changing and they're more liberal now on those issues. All right, so why? What's getting these older American Christians to change their minds? I think I can tell you, they're watching The View. They're watching Ellen. And, and Jesus is saying, you know, if you let a lot of darkness into your eyes, it's going to go to your heart. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Here's the next lesson. Carnal Christians are the most miserable. A carnal or a fleshly Christian is somebody who's trying to serve God and their flesh at the same time. And they're always being torn apart. <laughs> these are the kinds of Christians, they have one toe in the church. They go to church some. They read the Bible maybe on a rare occasion. They pray now and then. Their toe is in the church, but their body's in the world. And, and Jesus is saying here, you can't do that. And, and, you know, to a degree, we're all carnal. Even the strongest Christian on the planet still struggles with their flesh. But you struggle. The carnal Christian doesn't struggle. And, and if you're a carnal Christian, you've got to ask yourself, are you really a Christian at all? Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Here's the next lesson. Your God is the thing you love the most. Martin Luther said, Whatever you love the most in life, that is your God. There's a story that back in the 1800s, gold is discovered in California. Men are moving to California, panning for gold. A Christian preacher decides to travel with the men to preach the gospel to them. And he did for a while. But when he got out to California, he wondered, well, what's it like what they do every day? So he got a pan, he started panning for gold. He caught the gold dust fever. And he just kind of neglected preaching and he was after that gold and he finally had a bag full of, of gold dust and the story goes that on a windy day he went to the top of the hill untied it and flicked all the gold dust to the wind <laughs> the point is you can only do that for so long without losing your soul do you know that um, we must get rid of those things that cause God not to be the love of our life. Last lesson, and I believe this is God's word to America. You cannot serve God and money. Last word is you cannot serve God and money. Do you know the national God of America is money? That's why we put on money in God we trust. But is that true? Why do we have to put that on our money? Because maybe it's not so true. You know, we have the largest shopping mall in America, right here in, in Minneapolis, the Mall of America. People go there to worship. 
For some people, that's their church. <laughs> and do you know that the three biggest churches in the United States are prosperity churches? They preach the health and wealth gospel that Jesus came to earth to make you wealthy and prosperous. Oy. And I think to us wealthy American Christians, we need to hear what Jesus says in this verse. You cannot serve God and money. Years ago, a pastor by the name of John Broadhus said, we will now have the usher come down to take the morning offering. But he did something he had never done before. Pastor Broadhus came down from the pulpit and walked next to the usher, and he looked as every person did or didn't put something in the plate. Some people got mad at the pastor. Some people got shamefaced. But he got up after the, the offering, and he said, some of you are upset that I saw what you did and didn't put in. But you need to know, every Sunday, the Lord Jesus Christ walks the aisle of this church, and he sees what sacrifices you do and do not make for him. So let, let me just close with this. If you're watching this program and you don't tithe, you don't give 10% of your money to the Lord, I hope you start doing that. Because that will show you see that my bank account is not my source. My God is my source. And if you do tithe, I hope you sometimes give offerings. Offerings are above and beyond the tithe. And they're your, just your way of saying, God, I know you're taking care of me. You've been so good to me through life. I just want to say thanks. I want to give to this mission or to this church. But God, I just want to give above and beyond the 10% to show you I love you. And I close with this. Many years ago, the princess of Sweden was a woman by the name of Princess Eugenie. She was a Christian woman. One day she sold her diamonds to found a hospital for terminally ill patients. She would visit the hospital. Here she visits an, an old woman who's dying of, of some terminal disease and she talks with this woman and she wants this woman to come to know Christ because she was an unbeliever. And as she leaves the hospital she says, Please take special care of that woman. I, I'd love to see her come to know Christ. Well, one day she goes back and she talks to this woman. This woman came to believe in Christ, and her face was glowing. And Princess Eugenie goes back to the palace that day and says to her husband, Dear, I saw the glitter of my diamonds today. Christians, here's what Jesus, I think, says to us. We are here on earth to do something so much more important than making money. Pray for God to give you grace to be a generous giver for the salvation of souls. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, can we go a little further on this, what you've just talked about? Are you saying it's wrong for a Christian to like save up money for a house or retirement mm -hmm. or things yeah. like that? Yeah. Well, you know, Jesus has a parable or two about how it's important to invest in the Lord's work for him. And investing is not wrong. I mean, some people are really good at making money and they give bucket loads to the church. So nothing's wrong with making money. I don't think the Lord would say anything's wrong with having a pension or saving up for a house. There's a difference between that and the guy I just talked about on the plane where his, his life was his money and 
I didn't get any sense at all that it was important. Well, he was an atheist, so obviously he's not going to give to God, but I got no, you know, no sense that helping other people was big on his agenda. I don't know. But, so I don't think it's wrong to store, store up for a house or whatever, but do you need three houses? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Okay, but are Christians required to tithe? Because isn't that an Old Testament concept? And you've said before that some of the Old Testament concepts we don't aren't held to anymore. Well, here's the Old Testament way of giving was the tithe. The Old Testament Jews were expected to give 10% of what they had to the Lord. The New Testament concept, Paul says, is that we are to give as we prosper. So for some people, they'll give a lot more than 10% because God has prospered them so much. But Jackie, I there is a person at the church who, Pastor Brock, because I had preached on tithing, that's an Old Testament thing. I don't, I'm not required to tithe. And I said to him, now wait a minute. If the Old Testament Jew who knew this much about the love of God was moved to give him back 10%. Do you think a New Testament Christian who knows this much about the love of God and the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, is he going to give more or less than the Old Testament Jew? <laughs> See, I think he was using things as an excuse. And my belief is this, Jackie, at least we should give 10%. We, Americans are the wealthiest people on earth. And, you know, you might not think you're wealthy, but compared to people in Haiti, you're a millionaire. And if we can't tithe, nobody can. But there are poor Christians in Africa who tithe. So this is really a heart matter. And, and I, I, I think the Lord would have us to at least tithe. Yeah. Where did the 10% come from? That was God ordering through Moses and, and the Old Testament people that the Jews were to take, you know, when they harvested their crops, 10% went uh, to the Lord. Okay. And that would take care of the priests and that kind of thing. All right. So where should my tithe go? Should it go to my local church mm -hmm. or to missions okay. or do I divide the tithe yeah. up? You know, I'll, I'll, I, don't know have, I don't have a clear Bible verse to answer that, but I tell, I'll tell you a general custom that probably most Christians have, and I think it's wise. I give my 10% to my local church. That's where I'm being fed, and they're, they're the people that are providing the, everything for me. So I give my 10% to my local church, but my offerings, which are above and beyond the tithe, I give anywhere I want. I mean, I give some to Campus Crusade for Christ in India. I give some to the International Christians Concerned Helping Persecuted Christians. So I give that to missions. Okay, I have a question for you that's a little bit off the subject of um, tithing is, do you think it's okay for Christians to watch R-rated movies? Um, normally not. There is an R-rated movie that you should watch. It's called um, the Mel Gibson movie. What's that called? The big, huge Christian movie on, on the death of Christ. Hello? It's, it's, it's um, the, the Passion. The Passion. Uh, that's a movie. It's, it's rated R because it's, it shows the bloody crucifixion. It was but, a very hard uh, one to it watch. It was the hard movie. to watch, but we need to watch that movie. But, Jackie, when I see that a movie, you can go to plug. Yeah, well, we're we, going to have to we go. We have to do it we later. We have to get it that's later. Okay. We'll talk about it yeah, again. That's good. I apologize for being so late here, mm -hmm. but thanks for being with us this week. We pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. 
You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Thank you.